0: Welcome to Unlikely Intersections, where intent, impact, and inquiry inspire our conversations. I'm Dr. Philip Brown. I'm here with Dr. Terry Jackson, and you're at the Unlikely Intersection. Fascinating thing about intersections, we all come across many intersections daily. How we navigate these intersections, whether they're at work, at play, at worship, determines the course and the trajectory of our days and our lives. Terry, welcome back.
1: Thank you, Doc. It's a pleasure to be here and to have another great conversation with you today.
0: Yes, sir. Now, we got a little obstacle today, a little bit of construction in the background. Oh. Look out. <laughs> construction inside, <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah. So, if, if there's a little bit of background noise, we hope our, our listeners will uh, excuse us for that. And if not, then it's just like every other time, crystal clear. So, That's we're right. going to talk That's today right. about process. And the importance of trust in the process.
1: Yes. You know, it's a it's it, I read a story, and it was an amazing story about the bamboo plant or the bamboo tree. And it's amazing because of how long it actually takes and what you have to do in order for the bamboo tree to grow. I wanna say that somewhere between Zero to 90 days, you have to continuously water that bamboo plant every day, every day. And if you don't water that bamboo plant every day, guess what doesn't happen? It never makes it to being a tree. And so you want to talk about the power of the process Same thing with the child. You continue to nurture that child every day, day in and day out. And you get the fruit of that nurturing by seeing that child grow up and being able to speak well and spell well and know all that that child should know by a particular age. So the process is important now, what we both know is we may not be able to determine the outcome, but we have to trust the journey, and that's the process.
0: Yeah, I think about sort of the most, um, the most poignant time I can remember meeting the realization that it was about the process or about the journey was shortly after I finished all my training, in vascular surgery so after undergraduate school that was four years of medical school it was six years of general surgery residency it was a year of vascular surgery fellowship so 11 years after college and i was in there doing the work and all of a sudden it just hit me It was like this was it mm. this is what this mm-hmm. was all about and almost in the same instant, it hit me that, mm-hmm. of course, it wasn't, dummy. It was just about all the experiences that happened along the way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and all the ones yet to come mm-hmm. uh, as, as, a, as a function of, of the training. And mm-hmm. so it was really interesting how things hit you at, at strange times. But mm-hmm. I'm glad it hit me there because it ultimately helped me Uh, have an easier time uh, when things were difficult or when they were good it helped me keep a better perspective I think
1: you know as I think about playing sports all of the different processes that we learned from from never having played football before to learning the three-point stance um, how an offensive line lines up the 11 that make up offense, the 11 that make up defense, um, how to block, how to tackle. It was all about the process. Didn't necessarily mean that someone who learned all the fundamentals was going to be an NFL player, but it was about the process of being the best football player that you could be at that particular time, at that particular moment. It was about the journey of becoming... An effective and efficient football player or basketball player or baseball player it's all about the journey of the process reminds me
0: of all the new Hanover County basketball clinics my dad put on over the years (laughs) right and where you take the kids and you would start out in the layup line without a basketball Mm -hmm. just working Mm -hmm. on the footwork Mm -hmm. going through Mm -hmm. right hand layup left hand layup Mm -hmm. right hand layup layup, Mm -hmm. left hand layup then adding the ball in and Mm -hmm. right on until even for the older ages, there was a variation of that, right? The Mm -hmm. skill got harder as Mm -hmm. you got more advanced, Mm -hmm. but it was still right-hand layup, Mm -hmm. left-hand layup, right-hand reverse layup, Mm -hmm. left-hand reverse, all Mm -hmm. these things, that fundamental, that process, you know, and very few of us, you know, ended up having a career in basketball, Mm -hmm. but there were a lot of good players and everybody got an increased, uh, Level of discipline, out yep, of yep, process. Yep, yep.
1: A- absolutely. You mentioned confidence; <clears throat> it made you calmer. You you weren't um, as uh, frenetic, if you will, when you were going to shoot a, a free throw. Say you were out on a fast break, and you were all by yourself. You understood; it made you calmer, made you more confident. So, I would like to think if you're out on a fast break that you're going to make the layup, right, because of all the practice. But sometimes we miss. But it that that process, you know, just that whole journey along, uh, not just from a, a sports perspective, but how you tie that into life, you know, and understanding, you know, the necessary processes to be a successful human being.
0: Yeah, I guarantee you, it comes into play in surgery on a routine basis, right? We start out every case with a timeout, which is where we call a timeout for the whole room. We go over who the patient is, Mm -hmm. what we're planning to do for them, what we anticipate. It helps set the stage for Mm -hmm. the procedure itself. Mm -hmm. And then for every given procedure, there is a whole host of routines that you do. And at the end of the day, the idea is this quest for a perfect outcome. And a lot of times, that's what you get in surgery, fortunately, mm-hmm. Uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but it but it is about. It is about the discipline to stick with that process time and time
1: again. Mm-hmm. Repetitive process. People always talk about repeatable processes in business from a consulting perspective. You know, you go in, you look at an organization, and you want to examine the processes, see if you can condense the processes to make them quicker, or whether or not you can totally eliminate the process in and of itself um, to make it um, a much, much more uh, effective organization. Um, and its efficiencies as as organizations or as departments uh, intermingle uh, amongst them, themselves to make sure that that organization uh, is profitable.
0: Now, one of my sort of pet peeves I think about these days is this whole notion of of what it means to set goals, especially organizational goals, and get fixated on the achievement of those goals mm-hmm. versus the process you're following to mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. get there. What mm-hmm. do you think about that? You
1: know, I'm a proponent of the process versus the fixed achievable goals. I'll say this, it's okay to set a goal. Once you set that goal, then the goal should be put to the side and it should really be about how do I how do I follow this process in such a way that helps me optimize my ability to get to the goal. I may not necessarily reach the goal because I can't determine the outcome, but this process is going to create for me some discipline. It's gonna create for me some structure. Uh, And I think that too many organizations put too much into the result. The result is going to be the result regardless It's how you go about it. I hate to say the right way because um, there are multiple ways to get to a specific goal, a specific outcome. And often, the goals are tied to um, compensation. (laughs) And often, the goals aren't lofty enough to really challenge the organization. The goals are set just such that those who are being compensated for achieving the goal are compensated for the goals being achieved. And there's not a lot of value oftentimes in that. Uh, Sometimes there's more value in the striving for a goal and not making the goal. Than actually hitting the goal. You learn more when you don't hit about yourself, about the process, and about the organization than when you are successful at achieving the goal.
0: I think what I heard you just say, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think <laughs> what I heard, and it kind of fits my biases, so I'm going with it, is when it comes to compensation-related goals, the fix is in. Yes, it is. Very commonly, right, because the goals are going to be set at such a level that it's highly likely that that compensation will be reaped, every penny of it or close to it.
1: I remember in 2008 when the stock market was tanking, the economy was in the dumps. And the organization that I worked for was going through a reorg and – our CEO's part of his compensation was tied to EBITDA. Well, the goals were set in such a way that even though the economy was tanking, our revenue and profitability wasn't what it needed to be. But EBITDA was so low that he was able to get a million dollars in bonus When at the same time, we were laying people off.
0: That reminds me so much of some of Simon Sinek's work where he talks about the whole concept of, you know, you wouldn't lay off your family, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. times are hard, I'm going to lay off one child Mm -hmm. or something like that. And we see it so often, these maladaptive uh, behaviors. But even at the level of, goal setting in general and maybe more important in times of rapid change Mm -hmm. in goal resetting. Mm -hmm. So when we have organizational goals that may be set up on a quarterly or an annual or a multi-year basis Mm -hmm. and we have certain compensation tied to it, it makes it a lot harder at the moment that goal becomes – it's evident that that goal is not the right one. It gets really hard to change it.
1: Yes. You know, <laughs> right? it gets yes.
0: really is a whole different level of courage, right? To either go back to maybe a board uh, or go back to an organization and say, hey, this really is now is not exactly the right work. So we're proposing that we change it. And, when I hear that and think through it, it takes me to the leadership versus management discussion because Mm -hmm. the leadership should be to always make sure you're doing the right work Mm -hmm. and the management is doing the work, right? So at the point that the leader understands that that may not be the right goal in a highly functioning system, that goal is going to change almost instantly Mm -hmm. or as fast as possible. All too often, it seems that we end up with a situation where we can convince ourselves of anything that's in our best
1: interest. That's right. That's right. I I agree with you uh, 100%. Um, It's difficult. It appears to be difficult for a lot of leaders who have that interest of a bonus simply because the numbers weren't good. And now all of a sudden the environment changes a little bit. And the environment changes, but the goals don't change. <laughs> Make some, it could be that the goals are easier to, to, to attain with the environment changing. Sometimes it could be more difficult. I'm willing to bet if, the, if, if it's a more difficult environment, then they'd be more than willing to go and have that conversation. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, like when the outcome seems in doubt. Yeah, right? exactly. Then, then
1: it would be then if, if, if the environment is a growth environment um, and they need to stretch themselves a little bit more. But that's something the leader should do automatically because the leader is really setting the tone and setting the vision of what the organization is going to become um and what they're going to achieve and if it becomes extremely personal then you have to be able to question the motives of the leader and I, you know I like to say all roads lead from and to leadership and you learn a lot about leadership when it comes to compensation and what those goals are
0: we saw a great uh example of how following the process actually leads to an outcome. We saw it yesterday on Sunday afternoon, the Tampa Bay game. That's right. Uh, You know, and you look at that thing, Tampa Bay really didn't play very well most of the game. Mm -hmm. Brady had over 50 passes without a touchdown. First Mm -hmm. time in his career that was going to happen. You know, and they get the ball with under a minute left and need a touchdown to win. He trusted his process. They got a touchdown. Yeah, and they won. Yep.
1: and it was amazing because I had actually left the house to go somewhere, and I said, by the time I made it back, there was nine seconds left in the game, and I said, these guys came back, and I saw, I watched him throw that touchdown. I was like, wow. But it's all about the process, right? It's all about the journey that it takes you, you know, through you through. And of course, he's made that pass. Many, 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 many times, right? Even though this year is not as good for Tom as we've seen him in the past, um, all this happened for him and to him has brought him to this moment. And what's brought him to this moment as a quarterback from Michigan to New England to Tampa Bay is the process. There is a process that he's followed for all those years that's made him who he is.
0: And he followed it in the game yesterday because he had thrown another perfect touchdown pass, mm-hmm. hit the guy in the face mask, mm-hmm.
1: dropped it. Mm-hmm. I mean, just
0: a few moments earlier. hmm Right? But he right back in the right back in the arena, trusting the process, trusting the play to be what it needed to be, putting his best effort into it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that last time it worked out.
1: So my question now is, what does one learn from the process? You know, to me,
0: that's where all the magic is. Mm. Right. And I, I, I look at it from this angle. The first person I ever heard use this particular language is a former hostage negotiator named Chris Voss. He wrote a book mm-hmm. called mm-hmm. Never Split the Difference, which is a really good book. But he says, never be so sure of what you want that you wouldn't take something better. Mm. And to me, that's that's a great example of what it means to trust the process, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so mm-hmm. you're in the middle of it, right? You can say you're in the arena. You can say you're on the court. You can mm-hmm. say you're in the fight, you're in the battle, you're engaged, mm-hmm. however you want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. You're in it, but you're learning all along the way. Mm-hmm. And no matter how brilliant you are there are always things that are factors in what's going to happen that you know nothing about right and so the more open you are in pursuing your process and truly paying attention to what's going on with you with, around you whether it's with a individual interaction a mm-hmm, team interaction mm-hmm. or just some unknown factor that's happening in the current state If you're attuned to that and and living into that process, so often you see opportunities that were better than the one that you started out to pursue. That's right.
1: That's right. I've seen that many, 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 many times, especially in the business world, right? You're pursuing a client, and you get in the door, and you begin to have conversation with the client around, you know, what their challenges are as an organization for that particular, uh, let's say, that particular department, and the more, you're, the more you ask questions and the more you become quiet, the more you learn about what the challenges are. And you may start with A and all of a sudden you're asked to provide a solution for A, B, C, and D simply because in the sales process, you're doing what's most important and that is listening. Versus talking, we, I used to tell my, my sales execs, don't show up and throw up. The objective is to sit down, ask a question, and learn and trust the sales process to tell you everything you need to know. Because more than likely, what's going to happen in the process, they're going to tell you more than what you came here for. And you'll be able to put together a more comprehensive solution that will help them solve A series of challenges that they might be facing versus just one. So whether it's the sales process, whether it's being a surgeon in the process of operating on someone, whether it's the process of um, taking your car to the the shop, there's always a process that's in place. Whether you uh, acknowledge it as a process, um, there's always a process and there's always the journey that we learn from. We either learn what to do in the journey or what not to do in the journey.
0: Sometimes it seems like that's the hardest lesson when we find out that what we're trying to do, and this is where we get stuck on that goal fixation, mm-hmm. right? We learn something that just really should be telling us stop, do something different, right. take a different direction, stop, do something different, take a different direction. Because we've got new information. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. We've got
0: new information that could open up a whole nother avenue. Mm-hmm. But when we've got that outcome fixation, sometimes we just close that door mm-hmm. and we don't pursue this better thing. And that's to our own detriment. So many of the cases, and you know,
1: and we've been conditioned that particular way as well. You know, you go to go into the classroom and you sit down and they show you how to solve for X, and when you solve for X, X has to be uh, this number, and if you don't get that particular number, especially in let's say elementary and junior high, maybe even high school, then of course, you don't do well. I think it was probably maybe high school to college when all of a sudden professors started to give you credit for the process. You walk, you got a long problem and you got this step right and you got this step right and you got this step right. So I'm going to give you credit for all that, even though the outcome wasn't what what it was supposed to be, but you followed the process. And so it's the journey of learning how to solve versus solving for the exact result I'm showing you how to solve a problem and that's the beauty of the process
0: so important that we contemplate how many potential right answers there are when mm-hmm. you talk about organizations and business right mm-hmm. so we may set a certain goal based on whatever we're seeing and that's an acceptable outcome mm-hmm it may not be the only acceptable outcome Mm -hmm. or we may subsequently find several outcomes that would be better. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So to me it makes sense at that point to take that alternate direction if you need to, or maybe sometimes what we find by trusting the process is that our outcome is achieved and we can actually go farther out on that same spectrum. That's certainly a possibility too.
1: Mm -hmm. And we should. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, we shouldn't let achievement of an outcome stop the process either because okay. the process might continue out to something far more grand or far more transformational.
1: Yep. I, 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 I always agree. Part of the process has to be curiosity. You know, the what if question. You know, I, I went from A to B to C to D and I need to get to E. But what if I deviated just a little bit? And that leads me to the question of <clears throat> we have to trust the process, but within the process, when do I deviate? Because maybe I can see something a little bit better um, down the road. I'm looking at I'm looking, I'm at D and I'm looking at F, but I figured a better way to get around E to get to F, and and if I deviate just a little within the process what do i learn in that deviation um i think that's extremely important leadership work
0: too right that's that's a you might say that's connecting the dots you might say that's seeing around corners one Mm -hmm, of the many mm -hmm. metaphors that Mm we like to use mm -hmm. to help people understand Mm -hmm linear is not always the way it has to go right Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. there can be leaps and bounds of progress in fact there often are Mm -hmm. and it's by being able to see around the corner by having the good judgment to know when it is time to deviate from that process even Mm -hmm. if it's just to to try something on a limited basis Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. surgery we've got a saying about good judgment which of course Mm -hmm. is good judgment Mm -hmm. comes from experience and Mm -hmm. experience comes Mm -hmm. from bad judgment It builds in you the the courage to deviate when appropriate, but to do it in a measured way is really important too because it may be just a little pilot spinoff that you that you develop from a tangent to your main process. And that's okay.
1: In fact that's important. You know, When you trust the process and embrace trusting the process, then that leaves you open to a lot. It leaves you open to change. Because what you do know is this is the process. However, in the middle of the process, there might be a deviation. There might be some change. Because as you've said earlier, I'm taking in new information. As I get new information and I analyze it, that's going to cause me to make some different kinds of decisions within the process. And so I have to be open to new information and new data and the possibilities of change within the process in order to get to, and I like, I hate the phrase ultimate goal because we may never get to the ultimate goal. But within that, change with with that new data that's been presented and analyzed, then, as you mentioned earlier, we might have to change what that objective is. We might have to say, hey, given this new information, we're in growth mode. As a result, here's what we need to do with these goals and objectives that we set initially. Maybe we need to expand them, or given this data, it's impossible to that you know to, to make this, so maybe we need to um, reconsider making the target a little bit different. But it's always about the new information and the new data that allows you to embrace change within the process. And maybe that's where the deviation happens.
0: And we saw that in COVID big time, right, mm-hmm. is that a lot of stuff had to change. It had to change fast. And it, and it opened up a whole lot mm-hmm. of different, mm-hmm. uh, really, responsibilities, needs, and also successes, quite frankly, mm-hmm. especially in North Carolina, where we were the second health, second safest state to live during mm-hmm. the pandemic. A lot of, mm-hmm. lot of stuff done mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. here. But when we talk about distrust in the process, there's another piece of it that As somebody who always thinks in terms of teams is really important. And that's also to trust the people. Mm -hmm. And when we have the right team with the right expertise, typically that expertise has a diverse component to it. Mm -hmm. So we're working on something together. You and I don't need to be identical experts. It's better if we have overlapping expertise, but let's say we have that right. Then trust of the people To not only execute, but also to identify new opportunities and new processes is really important. It's like uh, Deming said, it's like, if you can't describe what you're doing as a process, you don't know what you're doing.
1: That's right. That's right. That's right. And the most important trust you can have is in your people and hiring your people to do what they're supposed to do, but enabling them, empowering them to think, right, and to challenge what that the status quo and the challenge the process, because guess what? It could be such that their thought processes challenge the current process and challenges it to make it much better. Right?
0: Well, that's what Steve Jobs, you know, he used to say. We don't hire smart people and tell them what to do. We hire smart people so they tell us what to do. That's right, and that's, uh, you know, that's where you see yourself. It, sometimes there's there's a tendency with success to get hung up right like we're hung up this is the way we've done stuff this is our process we trust our process and we forget about that piece of our process could get a little bit better how do we navigate that
1: you know, I once heard someone. We know Marsha Goldsmith said that whatever your su- success was today or is today, it's going to be different tomorrow. You got to start all over. So you the ben- today. I'm the beneficiary of what I did yesterday. So today, I really haven't accomplished anything. So if I f- if if I take that mindset that every day is a new day and I have to start anew every day, then the only thing I have to depend on is the process because it's part of the process that makes me, gives me that quote unquote success that I have experienced. So each and every day being a different day, what we have to try our best to do and it's difficult to do is not to rest on our laurels Is to understand that every day is new and so in order for me to be that successful person at the end of the day, I need to be able to think differently and act differently and be differently. Follow the process and challenge the process such that I'll get to a point where I think I'm successful at the end of the day. Simple concept, hard to do. Very
0: hard. And it sort of makes me want to ask the question, how do you keep fresh eyes on it, right? Mm. Like... So, again, you take somebody like yourself mm-hmm. or even maybe somebody like me who had a fair amount of success over the course of our careers to this point. How do we keep it going? How do we not get stale? How do we keep
1: looking at it with new eyes? And, and I will say trust the process. And what I mean by that is at night, you know, you go and you jot down, well, you know, what did I accomplish today? What did I set out to accomplish today? What did I accomplish today? Um, did I accomplish it? You know, uh, how far along did I get in accomplishing whatever I wanted to achieve today? If I could do something a little bit different, how would I do it? I think it really goes back to those uh, accountability questions that Marshall Goldsmith talks about at the end of the day. You know, there's a series of questions that you can ask yourself about you know, how you navigated the day um, how you dealt with other people. Um, and that gives you, it helps you, it gives you a reset to understand okay, here's what I did, here's what I wanted to achieve today, here are the gaps. So tomorrow I can take a look at that list and I can say, well, I can close this gap and I can close this gap, I can do better here, I can do better here. And it's that, it's that continuous assessment of self around those questions of accountability of who you are what you've done and what you plan on doing kind of
0: reminds me of the process of full focus michael hyatt and his family have and they've got a day planner and all this kind of stuff and Mm it talks about morning rituals and Mm -hmm. startup workday rituals and same Mm -hmm. things end Mm -hmm. workday rituals uh, evening Mm -hmm. ritual you know how do you stick with the processes that enable Mm -hmm. you to Mm -hmm to continuously improve and one of the things that strikes me about that is how it's played out in my life so Mm -hmm. you know one Mm -hmm. of the things that that particular planner which i use and enjoy uh has you do is you know so what is your morning ritual Mm -hmm. and our tendency of course is to figure out how to get comfortable Mm-hmm. We are remarkably mm-hmm. gifted animals when it mm-hmm. comes to figuring mm-hmm. out how to get comfortable. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for me, I know I've got a certain morning ritual, which which needs to include a period of exercise. Mm-hmm. And I need to get that done before I start work, whatever time that is. Mm-hmm. I've gone through various parts in my life where mm-hmm. I've had differential discipline when it comes to that. But mm-hmm. what I can say for sure... Mm-hmm is when I have followed that process and make sure that, you know, five days a week on the typical days that I work, Mm -hmm. if I make sure that I include that period of exercise, Mm -hmm. the whole rest of the day is better because I've had the discipline to follow that one process. And I've gotten one little thing that really I've done for myself Mm -hmm. that ultimately, you know, I think when I look back on it, at the end of a career, it will translate to, not only have I done something for myself at those times, but it's enabled me to do things for other
1: people much more effectively. Yep. I would, I would agree. There's a book. Um, I can't think of the name of it now, but, uh, in that book, I think the gentleman talks about the first thing you want to do in the morning is make your bed.
0: Ah, yeah.
1: That's Admiral, uh, (sighs) McCrave, McCravey maybe. Okay. And so, That starts off the day as a success because you get up and you follow the process of you make your bed and you you move to the next step and the next step and the next step. And and by the end of the day, when you look at what you've achieved, you've actually followed a process of what needs to happen throughout that day. And again, the key is trusting the process. Can your process change? Yes, the process can change. The process changes with New information, right? You may be able to shorten something or lengthen something, or it gives you the ability, as you said, to be able to have that your time during the day, that exercise time that you so, you know, that you need in the morning. Um, and the process will enable all of that to happen. And there's no one magical process for any and everything. Sometimes that process is, you know, something that someone, Makes themselves given what it enables them to do throughout the day, and that's what we really talk about. Their frameworks, but everybody's process may be a little bit different.
0: Absolutely, and it talks about you know you you talk about accountability because that process ultimately is your accountability to yourself mm-hmm. to follow that, and sometimes it's helpful to have. Tools along the way to mm-hmm. help you mm-hmm. with that and for me a lot of times it's another person mm-hmm. right maybe mm-hmm. it's somebody who you know we're either training to do something together or we are checking in on each other's progress on a given thing mm-hmm. to say you know how scale of 1 to 10 how'd you do this week yeah, or how'd you do right. today yeah, you okay. know that's right. that, so that piece of it because willpower by itself ain't going to ever get it. I mean, mm-hmm. I've proven that to myself many, many times mm-hmm. with this morning exercise thing, but on the balance of my life, I've done pretty well. Right. Uh, you know, but it's uh always helpful to have a little bit of outside.
1: One of our friends, Dr. Rao talks about that around willpower, right? You can have all the willpower you want, but you can't will your way. And, and if you're going to do something, one, it it has to be the, the analysis of that mental model around that particular topic, right? And so once you analyze that, then you have to see whether or not it works for you. And if it doesn't, then you deconstruct it and you create another one. But that's still part of a process, right? It's still part of a process. And so, you know, from an organizational perspective, you know, we develop processes that have an overarching impact on the organization that people can 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 handle and then from time to time we're in and we we redesign those particular processes trying to make the organization more effective when i say the organization more effective so that people can do what they need to do for the organization to be effective and profitable because all processes impact people right and so with that the organization creates their process, but then from an individual perspective, you have to kind of see what process is best for you, and it's a whole test and measure. I test it, it works well. I test it, it doesn't work well. I take in that information, and I create a new, uh, a new process that will enable me to uh, work, work, work well.
0: And for me, it always comes back to people trusted people whether Mm -hmm. that's and we've talked about this in previous episodes that personal board of directors Mm -hmm. uh or you know another metaphor is iron sharpens iron Mm -hmm. and it really is that process of surrounding yourself with a, a person or people who will give you candid feedback who will be good reality testers for when you're maybe feeling too sorry for yourself or or just looking at things in a way that that, that has you stuck mm-hmm. you know sometimes it's just a an idea sharing a little burst of to use one of your terms a little burst of co-creation at mm-hmm. a tough moment mm-hmm. is often all it takes
1: that's all that's all And 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 <clears throat> comfort is something that we all like and you mentioned that earlier and oftentimes we have people around us who make us comfortable right we call them yes people, the yes man, especially for the entertainers and the athletes, right? Everybody around them in their, in their entourage is a yes person. When they really need somebody to say no, what I need for you to do is or this may be this is something you should consider, right? It may not be what they want to hear, but what they need to hear at that particular moment. And too many people don't have the courage to, be, to say no to whomever it may be or to whatever it may be you know and and as a leader that's one of the most important things we can do especially in the process is when do i have to say no in the process
0: the other thing is as a leader same phenomenon be careful when you're hearing too much yes Mm -hmm. that's great you're right where you should be you're the <laughs> best thing that's ever happened to this organization right? Because <laughs> right, 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 right. then you know you just got a bunch of uh, folks that are just telling you what you want to hear mm-hmm. instead of what you need to hear and that is a that's the primrose path for leaders mm-hmm. we've seen it so so many times and it can play out in different ways you can see it play out in big scandals across organizations where you know, the, the supreme leader, if you will, pl- pleads ignorance and or just incompetence or whatever. I didn't know. However it plays out. But there's also a very important leadership component to creating that space. Mm-hmm. And in fact, my bias would be that More commonly than not, the reason that leaders who don't have that kind of feedback don't have it is because they haven't created the space for it. Because it has to be really, really intentional. People have to know it's a safe space. People have to know you want bad news when bad news is appropriate. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, then increasingly as a leader you're isolating yourself from important factors in the organization that you would be stronger if you knew mm-hmm. and the piece that plays into that too is we're in this transformation of what it means to be a leader mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. folks for a long time used to think the leader needed to have all the answers not so much the leader needs to be asking all the right questions mm-hmm. and the knowledge in our society, in our world is so huge. It, it's growing so fast. Nobody can have all the answers, right? But they That's can right. certainly surround themselves with people that
1: give them what they need to know to create the right questions. That's right. Another thing that people need to, uh, should understand around trusting the process is trusting the process is also understanding that you let go of what you think you have to control. It's not about control and trusting the process. The process is going to do the controlling, not the person. And so we have to be mindful of what it is we know we need to let go in order for the process to be the process that we can trust. That jumps into so much to for me the definition
0: the very definition of trust, right, mm-hmm. is a belief that ultimately the things we have set in motion are going to leave us in a viable position in the future. Yes. As however we define it. And part of the leadership work is to say, okay, when in the future are we going to assess it? We're going to assess it in five minutes, five days, five months, whatever it is. That's That's a big part of the leadership work too, is, is how you're going to, the interval that you're going to assess it. But in the meantime, you have to avoid the reactionary tendency to do
1: something too quickly mm-hmm. which by its very nature means you don't trust what you've set in motion that's right and as one of our friends uh, dr ryle says we understand that we don't control anything we never have we never have had control we never will be in control and we never were in control and so it's about trusting trusting that everything is going to work its way out or work its way to where it should be by trusting the process. So often we, gosh, yeah, I could
0: I really, I geek out on this concept because I see it done wrong so much of the time. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, and it and it can manifest in different ways. Sometimes it's not trusting that the person is going to do what we've agreed to mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it is. That the person a leader has trusted doesn't do the things they agreed mm-hmm, to do because mm-hmm, they don't. Mm-hmm. So it can be either side of the equation mm-hmm. can fail in that process of trusting the process. Mm-hmm. It may be inconsistent with their beliefs, but it comes down to one of the core leadership things that that we talk about all the time is alignment doesn't mean agreement. That's right, and and agreement has nothing to do with trusting the process. They are functionally disconnected trust in the process means aligning behind the process and then everybody involved in the process pursuing it to the very best of their ability until the next evaluation
1: period whenever that is that's right that's right that's right and that evaluation period happens and it prevent it presents new data right new information that's going to uh provide some confirmation as to what the process um, has achieved, is achieving, or is going to enable one to deviate in small portions of the process to get to the ultimate outcome of what, whatever it, 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 it is. But the process is a learning in event, let me just call it that. the process is a learning event because, again, you get the, the, the new data coming in, uh, which either dispels old data or um, confirms, you know, old data. But it's a continuous learning process that we all go through while we are in the process of striving for whatever it is we set out to to achieve.
0: That strikes me as, uh, as another point we need to cover, because one of the things that uh, we talk about sometimes when we talk about processes is what's called standard work. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And what you were just saying made me want to sort of pump in the caveat to the conversation that standard work does not mean we're always going to do things the same way That's right. because That's right. That's we right. have to learn. Right. And That's so right. it is in, an, maybe in an interval, we're going to do the, the red work, right. Where we mm-hmm. really don't think much and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. David Marquet, the former uh, submarine captain talks mm-hmm. about this in his book, but you know, we're going to do that work. We're going to do it this way, but then we absolutely have to reevaluate That's right. And say, well, how would we change this to make a better process? So the real process is one of continuous improvement yes, as opposed to perpetual motion of the same thing. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And, and that goes to the comments you hear oftentimes within an organization when you hear people say, well, we've always done it this way. Not considering any new data that may have been created to say that, hey, even though you've done it this way and here's what the standard is, Here's some deviations within that standard that's going to help us continuously improve and change this in such a way that it's it it best meets the needs of the client or the customer.
0: I sure would like to think that you know over the course of my life that a lot of processes that were done when I was a kid have gotten better Mm -hmm. now, Mm -hmm. as you know, because Mm -hmm. we've learned so much Mm -hmm. more. Like Mm -hmm. think about how technology has has. Blossom just in the latter half of our lives. It's fundamentally different. So, hopefully, we've learned a lot, and hopefully, we can get comfortable with this process of process improvement.
1: Comfortable with unlearning and relearning, because that's what this is. You know, I've heard Mike Tomlin with the Pittsburgh Steelers say the standard is the standard. But the standard changes as well, right? Given new data, given new technology, and you know, just the the amount of new data that we're seeing on a day to day basis dictates that the standard has to change and it can't be how we used to do it yesterday or the day before.
0: Sure is true in medicine, because I think and we've talked about this before. Medical knowledge doubles about every seventy days. Wow. So, you know, we're learning a lot and you think about something that is the magnitude of change of Mm -hmm, COVID
1: mm -hmm.
0: and how much we've learned and are still learning and will continue to learn for quite some time by looking back on what happened. Because, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. one of the things that one of the reasons why it's important to pause the work, rethink and reevaluate is because you can't tell what's happening when you're in the middle of it. It's only by looking back can you really understand exactly why a certain thing went a certain way because it gives you the luxury of being able to look at all the factors, Mm -hmm. especially if you have a diverse team who can look at all the factors from different perspectives.
1: Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. And that's the importance and the value of, of having diverse teams, right? You can look at all different perspectives and what that does for the process of all those different diverse thoughts coming to create a process that can help one achieve or help an organization achieve, you know, its goals. And, you know, I would say the ultimate goal is that being as effective as you possibly can as an organization, which drives profitability. And within that is a standard of what that process is to do so and the process that people need to follow in order to make that happen.
0: So we got a process here on unlikely intersections, and it's getting close time to close that thing out, <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> right? So, if you want to give our uh, our listeners, our viewers, a little a little tip to close out the process, what would it be? As we're trusting the process today,
1: if I could give the viewers a tip about the process and how we close out, it would be this: as we were on unlikely intersections, would would like to be as successful and effective as we can be in disseminating messages or having conversations that impact you, it would be for you to go to our YouTube channel, like, subscribe, and comment, and make any post that you would like and that would uh, be a suggested topic of discussion for Unlikely Intersections.
0: Well, that sounds great to me. You know, we love those likes, shares, and subscribes. And we want to really thank everybody today for taking the time to listen with us. If you want to check us out elsewhere, you can get me on LinkedIn at Doc Phillip Brown, or get
1: you. And you can reach me at on LinkedIn, Terry Jackson, Ph.D. And please feel free to reach out to our website as well, uh, unlikelyintersections.com.
0: See you at the next intersection.